Good morning, Thrive Church. How are we doing this morning? Hey, it's great to have you guys with us today. We're in a series called Recalculating, and the heart of this series is to help you understand how do you engage the will of God, the plan of God for your life, because everybody's always asking, I want to know what God's plan is for me. What's my purpose? Why do I exist? And so um, I'm not going to be able to answer that question for you, unfortunately. But what I am going to do is help you each week to figure out how do you move forward in God's plan for you, even when you can't understand it sometimes. And today, what I want to do, I want to ask you this question, I want to pose this question to you. When it comes to engaging the will of God, I think there's something called forgiveness that we've all got to embrace. But what if I told you this, that the person that you have to forgive in your life or the people you have to forgive in your life, like, like you think they're the people around you and there's the boss, there's the ex, there's whatever you, what if there's somebody else you forgot to forgive? What if there's somebody way more important than all of those people you can think about who hurt you, who betrayed you, and you haven't forgiven them? Because what I'm going to share with you today is this, if you don't understand how to forgive that person, what's going to happen is you will never be able to move forward in the will of God. And if you have your Bible, turn to 2 Samuel 11, a very familiar passage of Scripture with a very familiar Bible character named David. And you're going to learn something from him today about what he had to do as well. He had to learn to forgive the same person. Now, what happened was David was king. He was at the top of his journey, meaning like the peak. Israel was accomplishing everything that God had promised David. Great military power. They were, they were ruling. They were reigning. They were, they were prosperous in their economy. And it was that time that David got lax. He got, he got lazy. And don't you look what happens in 2 Samuel 11, verse 1. We read verses 1 through 5. We're going to be in 2 Samuel today, so you can leave your Bibles there when you open it there. It says, in the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege on the city of Rabbah. However, watch this, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. It's the time of the year when kings go out to war, right? What is David? King. He stayed back. Late one afternoon, after his midday rest, that means naps, if y'all don't know what that is, right? Uh, I mean, some of the God's greatest people took naps. Even Jesus took naps. I'll preach on the amen. I hear that. I'll preach on that some other day about naps, right? But David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of his palace. As he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. He sent someone to find out who she was, and he was told she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to go get her. And when she came to the palace, he slept with her. She had just completed the purification rites after having her menstrual period. She then returned home later. When Bathsheba discovered that she was pregnant, she sent a message to David saying, I'm pregnant. Now, I wish we could end there. I wish we could stop the story there and say, yeah, you know, David really messed up. He made a bad decision. He gave in to lust. Like, yeah, that was, that was bad. That's adultery. That's pretty bad. But it, it gets worse. And for the sake of not reading, I'm going to paraphrase this for you, is that Uriah was one of David's greatest soldiers. And so what happened is he wanted to try to figure out, can, you know, can I frame and manipulate the situation so it looks like that maybe Uriah got her pregnant? So he called Uriah home from war. He said, Uriah, let's go have some drinks. Let's hang out. Let's talk. Let's buddy it up. Let's laugh. And then he wanted to send him back home, hopefully, to sleep with his wife and cover it all up. But Uriah wouldn't do that. And hold another message for a whole another day, but Uriah was a man of integrity. Uriah's like, I'm on post, like, 
I mean, thank you for bringing me back and hanging out and have some drinks and, you know, we're having a good time. But I can't do that, David. I've got to focus on being the leader that I'm supposed to be. So when he sent Uriah back to battle, he then manipulated it again to have Uriah killed. But what's been done has been done. The damage has been done. He's committed adultery. He got her pregnant. And he killed a man, a good man, who was on his team. And so I know you probably had a bad week. I know maybe you've had some things go wrong in your life. But I guarantee that, listen, if we put your life up to David's, you don't, you, you, there's no way you can compare to what he's done in his life. He is messed up big time. And what I want to do today is I want to show you something very important because many of you, including myself, we all have guilt from the past. We have bad mistakes we've made. We had decisions that we wish we could get back, right? And I don't care if yours are micro or yours are macro. Don't compare yours to anybody else's today. Stop looking at somebody else and say, well, I know I made bad decisions, but I need to just get over it because that person did, did way worse. Or you may have done way worse than somebody else, but every one of us have the I coulda, I woulda, I shoulda, but I didn't. And what if I did? And this would be different. And we're living and replaying this over and over and over again. And in this narrative that you have, and it may be true for you that you're replaying Maybe you could have, would have, should have done everything. In this narrative you're replaying, there's a person in there that you've got to forgive. There's a person in there that you've got to pay attention to, that you've got to talk to. And I want to talk to you about that today. And if you have your notes handy, I want you to write this down. Because here's what I want you to learn from this passage is we have to learn to forgive the most important person first. We have to learn to forgive the most important person first. It's not the person who hurt you. It's not the person who betrayed you. The most important person that you have to learn to forgive is the same one David did too. And we're going to look at this in a second. But David got confronted by a friend who was a prophet named Nathan. And Nathan comes to David and tells David this story because God always sent a prophet to a king to keep kings in check. The funny thing is Solomon was the only one without, without a prophet in his life, the only one that didn't have a voice, and that's why he just went crazy with everything he did with his lust and his pleasures and all those things. But David had Nathan. And Nathan tells him the story of this, this man who had all this. He was a king. He had everything. And there's this other man who had one little lamb. And that rich man came, and he took the one little lamb from the poor man. And David got mad. He said, how dare that man do that? I'll take that man. If I, if I was in there, man, and he did that to that guy, let me tell you, I'm a man of justice. I'm a man of action. I'm a, and then Nathan looked and said, you're the man. And David immediately broke. You're the man. In your narrative that you keep replaying, you're the man. Or the woman. That's you. And when you come to those terms, and maybe you're saying, yeah, I know I'm the person. I know I made the bad mistake. I know it could have been I neglected my kids. I did this. I did that. I don't know what the narrative is that you buried so deep down. But in that narrative, you have to learn to forgive the most important person first, and it's you. You are the one you've got to learn to forgive. And many of us go around working really hard to forgive the parent who abused us or neglected us, right? We work really hard to forgive the ex who betrayed us, and we should. But in that narrative, we learn, we, we forget to, to, to forgive the most important person, which is us. Jesus said this. He said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. 
And what Jesus was saying there when he said that to his listeners is, you cannot love people beyond the level you love yourself. If you want to give your kids everything and be the greatest parent for them, forgive yourself and love yourself. If you want to be a great spouse, great coworker, a great friend, learn, learn to forgive yourself and love yourself. Many of the problems that, that I've, and I've been studying this recently, it's been a phenomenal breakthrough in my life. Many of the problems that we face, if you're a people pleaser or you're a perfectionist, whatever your problem is that you face, like we all have it, right? The issue is this, you don't love yourself. Some of you are in, in abusive relationships. Your spouse is verbally and emotionally abusive. You know why you stay into it? You stay in it, you know why? You don't love yourself. You have no self-worth, no self-esteem. Yeah, you know God loves you, but you don't love you. You know God's forgiven you, but you've not forgiven you. And that's the most important person you've got to forgive first. Because you can forgive everybody else, but if you forget the one person, you are the man. If you forget that one person that you've got to forgive, you'll never be able to move forward. And look what happened whenever David and Nathan had this interaction he said, you're the man. In 2 Samuel 12, 13, if you have a Bible, you can turn there. 2 Samuel 12, verse 13. He says, then David confessed to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan's right. you're right, you have, right? But Nathan replied, yes, but the Lord has forgiven you, and you won't die for this sin. Nevertheless, and this is important, sin does have consequences, right? I mean, if you, know, if you steal a car, you're going to go to jail for it. Uh, nevertheless, because you have shown utter contempt for the word of the Lord by doing this, your child would die. That's the child that Bathsheba was going to have. And after Nathan returned to his home, the Lord sent a deadly illness to the child of David and Uriah's wife. And David begged God to spare the child. He went without food and lay all night on the bare ground. The elders of his household pleaded with him to get up and eat, but he refused. Then on the seventh day, that's seven days David's doing this. He's not eating. He's not drinking. He is on the ground crying out to God, begging God, please let this pass. And on the seventh day, the child died. David's advisors were afraid to tell him. They said he wouldn't listen to us while the child was ill. What drastic thing will he do when we tell him the child is dead? When David saw them whispering, he realized what had happened. Is the child dead, he asked. Yes, they replied, he is dead. Then David got up from the ground, washed himself, put on lotions, and changed his clothes. And look at this here. He went to the tabernacle and worshiped the Lord. Very important little piece of scripture there that you cannot miss. It says, after that, he returned to the palace and was served food and ate. And his advisor said this, and this is the thing. They said, we don't understand you. While the child was still living, you wept and refused to eat. But now that the child is dead... You have stopped your morning and you're eating again? Like it was mind-blowing to them, the switch that happened in David's heart. And then David said, he said, I fasted and wept while the child was alive. For I said, perhaps the Lord will be gracious to me and let the child live. But why should I fast when he is dead? Very important. Some of you are still trying to pay a penalty for something God's forgiven you for and it's over. David's like, why should I still be in a place of mourning and repentance? The child has died, dead, I can't do anything, I can't go change it. And look what he says. He says, can I bring him back again? But I will go to him one day, but he cannot return to me. I don't know what happened in when David went to worship the Lord in the tabernacle. But Nathan told him, God has forgiven you. 
I'm here to tell you today that in Jesus Christ, you have forgiveness of sins. As far as the east is from the west, the Lord remembers them no more. But I remember them, Kevin. That's why you have to understand the most powerful thing is, is to receive God's forgiveness and then forgive yourself. And something happened when David went and visited the Lord in there. His whole mindset shifted to a healthy mindset. I can't change the past. What's been done has been done. And here's what you have to understand about the will of God for your life, the plan of God. Until you learn to forgive yourself, you'll never be able to move forward. Matter of fact, give your notes, write this down. It's this, it's we cannot change our past, but we can chart our future course. We can't change our past, but we can chart our future course. One of my favorite stories is Thomas Edison, um, when he had this, this place he did all of his inventions at, created, and he tried things out, and all these things he tried that just didn't come to pass, right? We know the light bulb, we're excited about that, but there's so many he didn't. And one night, a great fire happened, and the whole place burnt to the ground. And when Edison came out, and they, they interviewed him, they said, what do you think about all this? He says, this is perfect, this is great. And they're like, are you delusional, man? He's like, no, this is perfect. He said, all of my past mistakes are burned up and I can start new. I, I don't know what you've suffered in your life, what things have crumbled, what things have burned, but what you have to do is look at this and say, from this point forward, I can chart the future that I desire and God has for me. From this day forward, I cannot change the past. David said, I can't bring the child back. There's nothing I can do about it. What's been done has been done. But from this day forward, I can move forward in what God has for me. And I'm telling you, there's so many of you that have never learned to forgive yourself. You are stuck in a situation where you continue to replay the past over and over and over again. And you have not allowed God's forgiveness to seep in enough to you forgive yourself. Therefore, you don't love yourself. You're guilty. You hold yourself accountable. What, look what I did. I should have. I would have. And can I tell you that that's actually a form of pride? Because you believe you're bigger than God's forgiveness to you. You believe your mistake is too big for God. That's pride, my friend. That's not humility. And we have to learn to forgive ourselves. And here's my fear that if we don't do this, and here's what happens. If we don't learn to forgive ourselves, then we will live with a cloud of shame that overshadows the grace of God. That's what happens. I've told you this before, I'll tell you again. If you have somebody who deals with addiction, please stop telling them to stop doing the addiction. Why don't they just stop? That's the most ignorant, dumb, stupid thing you could tell somebody with an addiction, please. Why don't they just stop? Stop with the drugs, stop with the alcohol, stop with the porn. The reason they're doing that is because they've never forgiven themselves. And they have so much shame in their heart that they're trying to medicate the pain to just make it go away. Do you know that survivors of even sexual abuse end up the hardest person to forgive? They think it's their fault. If you've suffered that, you probably feel that. What did I do wrong? And they have to understand and learn it was not you. There's nothing that you did. And if we don't understand how to forgive ourselves and learn to do that, there'll be a cloud of shame that covers your whole life. And it will infiltrate every relationship, every opportunity. You'll never have peace. And that's why you have to learn to forgive yourself. And friends, what I'm sharing with you today is not something I'm just preaching to you because I needed a good message to preach. The Lord showed me this several months ago. 
And as I was taking time praying and spending time with God, you know, um, I do have, as, as I said before, I have the, the, um, the hard part of like preaching funerals. We just preached a funeral of a dear member several uh, weeks ago, Michael Horton, who would sit right here in the second row and was here 11 years, 52 years old, and he, he died of cancer and had, before we knew it, a few weeks to live. That's all we knew. And that's not fun. It's not joyous. But I have the joy of, we do baby dedications here and see families who are excited about having children and they have them, they're dedicating them. We get to do baptisms. There's a lot of things that there's joys, highs and lows of pastoral ministry. And there's one privilege that I do get on occasion, and it's to be able to walk with someone, I say it's a privilege, through tragedy. And I, I sat with someone recently who was going through one of the worst situations I've, I've ever heard, been through. It was completely horrific. And um, the whole time, I'm encouraging them, right? That's what I do. I'm sitting across the table, encouraging them, talking, I'm trying to encourage I'm trying to get them to lift their head, to believe that God has the best. All the things I said to you about believe, remember, believe God's best when you're at your worst. Remember that last week? And I'm trying to tell them, and here's what the Lord told me. He said, you need to do that for you. Because nobody does that for you. Now, I had some people who walked with me last year who helped me in glimpses of that. He says, you need to sit down with you, Kevin, and you need to forgive you and tell you it's okay. This is wild, right? I'd never thought about forgiving myself. Yeah, now I've not had any major like, you know, whoa, my gosh, you know, off the rails. But I have, I have, I've made bad decisions in my life. I've, I've not done things I should have done, and I've done things I shouldn't have done. We all have that. And the Lord told me, he said, you've got to sit down with you and you've got to forgive you. And I sat down with myself. I just sat down in a chair, closed my eyes, and I imagined me sitting across the, across the table from me. And what I tell myself is this, hey man, God's forgiven you. All the stuff in your past that you've done, God's forgiven you, but you've got to forgive yourself. Though I, well, I could have, if I only would have. None of that matters anymore. All you have is today. Have you ever told yourself you're proud of yourself? Some of you never got it from your parents, and you feel like such shame. You feel like such a disappointment and failure. And if you do not sit down and forgive yourself and say, I forgive, if you can't look yourself in the mirror and say, I love you, I'm proud of you, and I forgive you, God's forgiven you you'll never be able to move forward in your life. You also need to understand this as well. This is how powerful this is. Shame and what you face from your past and what you hold in your soul has to come out some way. Have you ever met someone who have, they, have, they just have illnesses no doctor can discover what's going on wrong with them? They have no idea. Test and test. You think, man, it's all fake. No, no, they're suffering. That hurt that we hold in our soul of everything that's been done to us or we've not done and all that, it's going to come out some way, shape, or form, and your body's going to pay the price for it. So that's why I'm telling you, this is why this is so incredibly important for us, is that you have to forgive yourself before you can love yourself and do what Jesus told you to do. You're wondering why you can't have healthy relationships. You don't love yourself. You're wondering why you can't find peace and, and, and mental health. You, you, don't, you don't love because you haven't forgiven yourself. And here's what you and I have to do. And if you have your notes handy, write this down because this is the main thing we have to do first. And I'll explain the rest. Is accept God's 
Oh, accept the forgiveness of God to you. Accept the forgiveness of God to you. If you keep bringing it up, you've not accepted it. Well, I know I'm forgiven. No, no you don't, but you, you keep bringing it up. Accept it. Receive the forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ, that he has forgiven you and cleansed you. That's the first thing you have to do. And then that's when you can start building the future that God has. No matter how young or how old you are, that is what all of us have to do is accept that fully. Look what happened in 2 Samuel 11, 24 and 25. We know that David accepted that forgiveness, right? Remember Nathan said, God's forgiven you. And then David went to the tabernacle and worshiped and his whole mindset shifted. David was able to move past that. Look what happened in 2 Samuel 11, 24 and 25. It says, then David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and slept with her. Now what you have to understand there is something very important. He was able now to comfort her. Before he was needing comfort. He was in pain. And now it shifts and he can comfort her and they can be intimate once again. And it says that she became pregnant and gave birth to a son and David named him what? Solomon. Solomon. If you go on and study Solomon, he was able to fulfill everything that God told David that David was going to do. Building the temple, Israel took off to the next level. It says, the Lord loved the child and sent word through Nathan the, Nathan the prophet that they should name him Jedidiah or Solomon, which means beloved of the Lord, as the Lord had commanded. So how do you accept God's forgiveness to you? How do you learn to love yourself and move forward? The first thing, as I said earlier, you've got to forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. I want you this week at some point in time to turn the music off in the car. Do you know that sometimes we, we listen to music because we don't want our, our thoughts? We don't, we, we don't want to be alone in our thoughts? Get alone in your thoughts and with Jesus. And you need to have a conversation with the Lord and with yourself. And you need to have some forgiveness happen for you. That's the first thing that we have to do. The second thing you have to do is embrace God's great love for you. But how can God love someone like me? That's the beauty of the cross. Is that God not only just loves you, but he gave his son for you. I wouldn't let my son get a needle prick for any of you. I'm sorry, I do not love you that much. I will never see my son in pain for you. Ain't gonna happen. Like, if it was up to me and I was God the Father and that's my son sitting there, would, y'all would all just have to go, you know, live and turn into hell. I'm sorry. How could you say that, Pastor? I cannot believe this pastor said that. I'm sorry. I'm that guy, right? I love, I love my boy, man. And God gave his son to be beaten beyond recognition, to be betrayed by his friends, to be left alone. He says, God, have you forsaken on a cross for you? And he did that not for you in this version of you today. He did it when you were at your worst. For while we were yet still sinners, God sent his son to die for us, Romans 8, 5, 8. Right? Isn't that beautiful? You have to understand that's God's great. You've got to embrace that. And that's what, that is why when you see people lifting their hands, you're wondering, well, that's weird. I wouldn't do that. The problem is they understand this statement and you don't. They understand God's great love for them, that, that he sent Christ to die while they were yet so sinners. You really haven't understood that yet, so to you, worshiping God's weird. When you understand that, 
That's, that's easy because your whole life is his. You want to surrender everything to him. The cross brings tears to your eyes. Not because of the pain Jesus went through. It's because you understand that you should have been, that, that should have been you on the cross. And finally, this morning, I want to share this with you, is leverage the past and then focus on the future. Your past, and I'm going to share this, we're actually going to do a whole series in the life of David next year, is that your past can actually be a great tool for you to learn. Leverage it. Look at it. Yeah, you did some things wrong. That younger version of you, that dumber version of you, right? Can Can you just admit, yeah, right? Yeah, you should have, you would have, you could have, and you didn't, but learn from it. Study it, but don't let it be a source of shame for you. Break it down, analyze it, and then leverage it so you can focus on the future to become the best version that God has called you to be in Christ. You've got to stop going back to that over and over again, guys. Some of you are saying, if I just just would have been there more for my kids, they would have maybe followed Jesus now. Stop it. Stop. Just stop. Stop. Can I tell you something about children? I don't care what you do for them. They're going to make their own decisions. My parents didn't do jack squat for me spiritually. (laughs) Nothing. They were, I mean, they were the opposite. I got cussed out from coming to Christian with my dad, and now I'm a pastor. Stop it. Woulda, shoulda, coulda. If I just, if I just would have been home more, if I just would have, if I would have handled this. Stop, just, just stop, 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 stop. It's not healthy. It's not healthy. You know, if, if, if I just wouldn't have done that at this job, I cut that corner and I got fired. That was the job. If I just would have, that investment that I put all that money into, how stupid was I? If I just would have been this or been that, it's not healthy for you. In 1880, our country elected James Garfield as president. He was a preacher and a denominational leader. He was brilliant. He could write with both hands, Greek in one hand and Latin in the other. Brilliant man. Loved God. And six months in his presidency, he was shot in the back with a revolver. And they tried to find the bullet but could not locate it. And they go in and probe, and they'd pick, and they probe. They even called Alexander Graham Bell, the guy who made the telephone. They called him in that maybe one of his devices could locate the bullet. And finally, they, they moved him back to Washington, D.C. in that summer. And he kept getting worse and worse. And they kept probing and picking and trying to find it. And eventually, six months later, he died. But he didn't die from the gunshot wound. He died from the repeated probing, trying to find that bullet. He didn't die from internal bleeding. They should have just left it alone. Can I tell you this? Stop picking at it. Stop probing it. It's causing an infection in your heart. Stop replaying that. Learn to receive God's forgiveness to you. And can I tell you, please forgive yourself. The shame you're carrying and the weight you're carrying is where many of the issues you're coming from. I believe with all of my heart, guys, with all of my heart, some of you are going to have breakthroughs this week in your life. You're going to get along with Jesus and with yourself and in your thoughts, and you're going to look at yourself and forgive yourself. And for the first time ever, you're going to be able to love yourself and be proud of yourself, and you'll be able to have a future 
that you never would have imagined when that cloud of shame and that weight you've been carrying lifts off. You were never meant to carry it. I want to pray for you this morning. Father, I pray that every person in here, Lord, would first of all accept the forgiveness you give to us through Jesus Christ. And if people don't have a relationship with you in here today, they would start that relationship. They would receive forgiveness of sins. But secondly, God, I pray that every person in here, once they receive that, could learn to forgive themselves. Some people are so judgmental and harsh to others because they're judgmental and harsh to themselves. They haven't forgiven themselves. Today, I proclaim freedom in this place, God. I believe that addictions will break. I believe that people will, will have peace that they will get out of abusive relationships, that they will begin to, to do things that they know they've always wanted to do, start school, do something because they're going to forgive themselves and love themselves and be able to chart the future course that you have for them. I pray for that to happen. May they have a moment like David where they stop mourning over what has been and move forward to what you have. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you that we can forgive ourselves and love ourselves and then love our neighbor and forgive them as you have loved and forgiven us and we love ourselves and forgiven ourselves, Lord. May that be our story and our narrative. And today, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus and maybe you've never accepted the forgiveness of God to you fully, maybe you've never done that or you walked away from your faith. And you want to renew your faith today and come back to faith in Jesus Christ. If that's you today, whether you're here physically or you're watching online, today is your day. I want you to pray this prayer after me. You say, God, I admit that I am a sinner. I admit my mistakes, my bad decisions, my sin. But I accept the Savior. I accept Jesus. I repent of my old life. I turn away from all of that. I give it to you. Today, I proclaim you as my Lord, Jesus. For I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose again on the third day. And today, you are my Lord. Help me to forgive myself and to love myself as you have forgiven and loved me. In Jesus' good name I pray. Amen.